Thank you for downloading the podcast. We pray the Word of God will richly bless you today. So let's get right into the Word, knowing that God will speak into our lives today. All right, so uh, why don't we do this? Let's pray, and then we'll get into this Word. I want you to turn to John 14, and as you turn, I'll pray. Father, thank you so much for the Word. Thank you for speaking to us, leading us, and guiding us into your truths. We just thank you so much for the anointing uh, that's here to take the things of Christ and reveal them to us. Show us things to come and let us be excited about heaven. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit, for all that you're doing in the earth today. We give you praise for that in Jesus' name. Amen. I believe the, that God is going to give, give us an audience with the world again, or if, you, if that's how you say that. I believe God is going to get the world's attention again and give the church an opportunity to share our message. I believe that they've, by and large, ignored us for the last, you know, however many years. Um, but that's got to change. They don't have to agree with us, but there needs to be a showdown where the church gets her message out again. And everybody knows that Jesus is the Savior, that Jesus is the way that Jesus is the answer and I believe God has plans for that he's raised up ministries and churches like this one as end time churches end time ministries and uh, you know some ministries haven't born been able to bear up under the strain the heat of the day and they're no longer with us but here we are and and uh, God's will for the world has not changed we have something to say we have a job to do, and whether they realize it or not, we have what they need. You know, some of the people are so, they're so deceived that the last thing in the world they think is that you and I have the answer they're looking for. They think we're crazy. They think we're the, that we're the weird ones, that we're the deceived ones, and we have exactly what they need. <laughs> so we got to get it out there, just get it out there. And if people don't, you know, like I said this morning, if they don't get it and they don't like it and they don't like us, then they're not our audience. But at least we tried. Lester Summerall used to say, make them mad or make them glad, but make them something. <laughs> they need to know we were here. And so uh, I agree with that. Um, so I take criticism as a badge of honor. We did a meeting. I did a meeting in a public place. It was a rather large meeting, and, and uh, they were doing video interviews uh, about the speakers. And I said, if you liked my message, if you liked the ministry, we're going to have a cameraman on this side. After the service, go over there and give him a testimony. If you didn't like it and you, and you didn't like the message, you don't like me, meet over here on this side. <laughs> we have security. <laughs> that will meet with you over there after the service. But, um, you know, it's, it's time to mix it up. Amen? Amen? And to tell the world the truth. John 14, verse 1, Jesus said this. These are just beautiful words. He said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. 
And where I go, you know, and the way, you know, he's the way, isn't he? Isn't that great? Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. He's been gone for 2,000 years. I believe he's got it just about ready. It's something to look forward to. It's something amazing. It's something that we can't really put into words. Everybody that's ever been to heaven has a hard time describing it, what they saw, what they experienced. But it's a place... uh, it's a, it's a place of eternal happiness, eternal acceptance. It's where you were born to be. I got to tell this joke. It's <clears throat> it's probably been told so many times, but I'll tell it anyway. There was this the the pastor of the church was saying, "How many of you want to go to heaven?" And everybody raised their hand except one little boy. Have you heard that one? This one little boy didn't raise his hand. And he said, I'm going to ask you again. How many of you want to go to heaven? And everybody raised their hand except that little boy. He asked it again the third time. How many of you want to go to heaven? And everybody raised their hand except that little boy. And the pastor's concerned. And he said, son, don't you want to go to heaven? He goes, well, yeah, I want to go to heaven. He said, well, I asked three times. Who wants to go? How many of you want it? You didn't raise your hand. He says, oh, well, I thought you was getting up a load to go right now. (laughs) And there's a healthy balance between, you know, being so heavenly minded. I think we change that. I go to a, I go to a church. I went many times and they're like stuck in the past. There's, it's like going to a service 50 years ago. They sing about heaven. They sing about, you know, Jesus on the main line. It's all, you know, all that. But, but there's so many songs about heaven, and there's really nothing in between. It's just all hurt and pain until we get there. And, and so we've kind of, you know, we've balanced that out with, thank God, with people like Brother Hagen that taught us who we are and what we have and what we have right now. But listen, uh, there is a heaven. There's something to look forward to. There's a life beyond this one that we need to we need to be excited about. We need to look forward to. In fact, the early church was so conscious of heaven that James had to say, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. You don't have to say that anymore. People are like, because we got it pretty good, you know, and they're like, you know, oh, the Lord, surely the Lord's not going to come. When I was in Bible school, they were saying, I hope God doesn't come before I get married. <laughs> Please, I want to get married and then they got married and said, please, Lord, come, Lord, come, and Jesus, come. But you know what I'm saying? We, we can get so focused on earthly things that we forget the, uh, about the glories of heaven and the, and the power of it. But Jesus went to prepare a place for us. He went to prepare a place for you. And he said, if I go to prepare, I'm going to come back. And I won't forget you. I'm coming back to get you so that you can be where I am. And that's heaven. It's to be where he is. It's to be with Jesus forever and ever. Oh, I can't exp- You know, people say, well, 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 how can it be? We don't, we don't get married in heaven. We, we you know... What's going to happen? I, I was crushed the other day. I was telling my wife, you know, we're going to have this mansion in heaven, and I can't wait to have our mansion in heaven. And I went on, and she was real quiet. And I said, what's the matter? And she said, well, I kind of thought I was going to get my own mansion. So, oh, you want your own mansion? She said, yeah, you can come and see me. Oh, I can come and see you. 
can I, uh, can you make sure it's not when your other husband comes to see you? Because she, she was a widow. She had another guy. We're going to be making appointments or something. I, it's just weird. It's like, how do you, how do you relate that? And you can't relate it on er, in earthly terms. I can't tell you how good it's going to be. <laughs> I told my wife, maybe we could just get you a place right now, here. You can just... <laughs> if it means that much to you, can't you just, you know, lead a guy along and just pretend? But think about this. Think about this. When I was a little boy, I was very attached to my parents, and, and I knew that you grow up and move out, and I thought, no, this is my room, this is my yard, that's my tree, no, no, I didn't want to think about it, I couldn't imagine it. And if somebody had come to me as a little child and said, you're going to meet a stranger one of these days, not in your family, you don't even know them. And you're going to leave this house and leave your parents and you're going to move in with them and live with them the rest of your life. It would have scared me. I would have thought, nuh-uh. got to be kidding me. No. But you know, by the time it came, I was so ready to get married and move in with my wife and more ready than she was, it sounds like. But I was so excited about and, and, and you end up finding someone else and becoming one with them and leaving your home and, and creating a new family. And, and then people think in heaven, they, they can't imagine. Listen, when you get to heaven, there's going to be something happen between you and Jesus that's a thousand times better than what happened between you and your spouse. You're going to know this is what I was born for. I am joined to the Lord forever, and we will never, ever be separated. And it'll be a sense. These are the intangibles that you can't put in words, but it's a sense of, of, of acceptance and love and fulfillment and destiny and meaning and purpose that we've never experienced on earth. So much so that the people here who go there and come back all say the same thing. I didn't want to come back. Now, I've been all over the world, and I've been to some nice places, but I've never been anywhere where I said, I'm not going back. I'm not going back to my home. I'm not going back to see my family. I'm not going to go back to see my friends. I'm not going back. This is too good. I've never been to a place like that, but heaven is. They don't want to come back. They don't mind waiting on you. Well, they're not coming back. Isn't that amazing? Never had an experience like that, but we will when we get there. Jesus went to prepare a place for us. And if he went to prepare a place, it's going to be nice. There are some descriptions of heaven that we can read. But I just love the fact that, that <laughs> the streets are made out of gold. It's, it's like God saying, now look, I can't explain this to you because it's so far beyond what you're, but I'll just tell you this. Our streets are made out of gold. Well, gold is our most valuable material. They use it for, what do you make streets out of here? Rocks, dirt, 
We make our streets out of gold, and it just goes up from there to the point where I can't even explain it because it's beyond description. Heaven. Isn't that great? Look at Re Revelation 4. I just love this, this passage here. I'll have to turn to Revelation chapter 4 and verse 1. And to me, this is what makes heaven heaven. Revelation 4.1. It says, After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here, and I'll show you things that must take place after this. Now, this is Revelation two, um, 4, verse 2. Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And he who sat there was like a jasper and a sardis stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow about the throne in appearance like an emerald. Around the throne there were 24 thrones, and on the twenty. And on the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting, clothed in white robes, and they had crowns of gold on their heads. And from the throne proceed lightnings and thunders and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are, on the, are the seven spirits of God. Before the throne there was a sea of glass like crystal. And in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes in front and back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second living creature like a calf. The third living creature had the face like a man. The fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. The, fourth, the four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within, and they do not rest day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And when they do that, the... the, the um, Verse 10, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they exist and they were created. Isn't that something? Wow. Hebrews 12, let's just go there because it's it's similar, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 22. Hebrews 12, 22. It's just talking about your home and you're going to go there. When you, when you leave your body, to be absent from the body is to be what? Present, Present with the Lord. And you don't have to know how to get there. You're just going to go there. Look at, look at uh, Hebrews Chapter 12, verse 22, you've come to Mount Zion. Now, now let me just set this up. He's comparing uh, Mount Zion, which is heaven, to Mount Sinai, which is where God gave them the law. Mount Sinai was a very frightening place. In fact, he talks about it. It says it's so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I am exceedingly afraid and trembling. So when God came down on Sinai, it was a frightening thing because of sin. And they were afraid and they couldn't go beyond certain boundaries or they'd be killed. Now he's saying, this isn't where we go. Here's where we go. This is heaven, Mount Zion. You have come. Everybody say, you have come. 
This is, this is us. That was them. This is us. This is different. You've come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. Isn't that something? You have come to heaven, the city of God. We read in Revelation 4 of the throne of God and, the, and, the, and God's presence on that throne. And heaven will be the place where God lives, where God lives in a bodily form. And that was his plan from the beginning, is that we would live with God. Can you imagine? God seems so far off on this earth because he's in a different realm. But, but, but his plan from the beginning was that he would have a family and that we would live together with him and he would live together with us in our midst in a physical bodily, maybe not physical, but in a bodily form. God himself would live in our midst and we would be his children and his people and he would be our God. And in the center of the city of heaven, there is this throne that's surrounded by a rainbow. And it has the sea like crystal and the angels around it crying, holy, holy, holy. That's God Almighty. He's powerful. He's awesome. But he's our father. He's our God. And that's really what makes heaven, heaven. Well, now as a, 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 a little boy, my, my dad was a lawyer. He was a city attorney in our town. And our town was a small town. His office was about two blocks from our house. People would come and make appointments to see my dad. They had to sit in the waiting room and they had to be called in and they got charged for their appointments. And um, that's how they do business, right? They charge way too much and they're <laughs> way too. But, but, uh, but he would meet with people that way all day. And, and, uh, but, but from time to time, I would go to the office. In fact, he, he walked every day to work and made a path in the, in the grass, and I would follow that path and go all the way to the office. And I didn't go in the front door. I went in the back door. And I didn't go to the waiting room. I went, in the re I went in the r right into the office. And it didn't matter who was sitting in there. It didn't matter who he was talking to. I didn't have to get an appointment. I didn't have to wait in the waiting room. I didn't have to pay the fee. I would go right into the office, and I always got the same reception. He'd welcome me with open arms, and I'd jump right up on his lap, and I'd sit there as long as I want to, and they could be talking about whatever, and I was always welcome in that place. And I have this idea of heaven, this plan. I don't know when I'm going to go there, but I know where I'm going to go. And I don't care about the streets of gold. And I don't care about my mansion or my wife's mansion. <laughs> I'm going to go to the center of that city and find that throne room. And I'm going to go right through that door. And I'm going to run right past those seraphim and those cherubim. And jump right up on the lap of God. And sit there for about a thousand years. Amen. That's what makes heaven, heaven. God is there. God our Father is there. And He loves us. Did you know you could have never existed? You could be the way you were before you became a human. But God wanted you. You were His dream, His idea, His creation. He gave you the opportunity to live. 
You're here because God wanted you. You found Jesus and you've accepted his offer. And now you belong to God. And you're going to enjoy God forever and ever. In fact, the Bible says in Ephesians 2, 7, that in the ages to come, he's going to show forth the riches of his grace toward us. What? Yeah, in the ages to come. God had to invent more ages. Why? Because he can't get everything he wants to us in this age. And part of what's happening here is this. God wanted to create beings like you. So he could just bless them with all of his blessings and love them with all of his love and reveal all of his goodness to them because he's always been a father and he always will be. That's why we're here. It's a tragedy when people don't find their destiny. It's a tragedy when they don't see the purpose for which they were born. But you and I have. Aren't you glad? There are times when you're in the presence of God and you realize, this is why I'm here. This is what it means. This is what life is all about. I don't care if I do anything else, go anywhere else, accomplish anything else. I'm already there. I've found the fountain of life. I've found the meaning of life right here, right now. This is it. Anything else beyond this is just a bonus. It's all about Him, knowing Him, loving Him. Being with him. Amen. I said this one time. I like this statement. The person who loves God is powerful. But the person who knows God loves them is unstoppable. There's a difference. You know there's a difference. And you're supposed to love God. And I hope you do love God. And I'm sure that you love God. But do you know how much God loves you? Because that will change your life. The unconditional love of God will change your life. Then that's what we love about the presence of God. That's what we love about church when the power of God manifests. You know what it is? It's pure unconditional love in demonstration doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done you get there and you go <gasps> why because God loves you and accepts you and he wants you and he's created heaven for you to have a place to live with him man I want to go there how about you I want to go to heaven and I want to see the face of God Look at um, in, in um, Hebrews 13. We're in Hebrews 12 there. Go over to Hebrews 13. This is interesting. Hebrews 13 and verse 14. It says, Here we have no continuing city, but we seek the one to come. Therefore by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. That's so interesting that we, that we are to seek another city. We're not here to try to create heaven on earth. How many of you know that's not working? We're really seeking another city. We're seeking the city of heaven, the one to come. And uh, in Hebrews 11, in verse 13, it says, These all died in faith, 
not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. This is why it's not good to get so concerned with being accepted down here. We don't belong here. I, I can show you the difference. When you get in the presence of God, how many of you have ever been there in the presence of God, in the Spirit, with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and you thought, oh, this is awesome. That's where you belong. Wouldn't it make sense that you wouldn't feel like you fit in a lot of other places? You can't just fit everywhere. You ever been places you go, I just, I wish I felt like I belonged. You know, I've traveled for so long. I got so weary one time. I went and joined a country club just so I could have a name on my locker so that I could feel like I belonged to something. Because I was always in a different city in somebody else's town, somebody else's restaurant, somebody else's church. and so, I wanted something that was mine. But you know, really what we're seeking is the city of God, the place called heaven. That's where we were born to live. And the presence of God is where we were born to abide. Therefore, you're not going to feel totally accepted down here. Friendship with the world, the, James is pretty blunt, wasn't he? Friendship with the world is enmity with God. You, you can't love both. And since heaven is forever and the earth is like a blink of an eye, I'm going to choose to love heaven. How about you? I'm going to choose to love God and the things of God. And so what if I'm misunderstood, if I don't seem to belong? How many of you have ever felt like that? You, you're the one in the family that's weird and crazy. You're the fanatic. They all know it, and, you know, and they put up with you and whatever. That's because you belong in heaven. <laughs> and it's okay. To be the weird one in, you know, in the right way, as long as you're weird for all the right reasons. First John 3, 2 says it, says it this way, Beloved, now we are the children of God. First John 3, 2. Now we are the children of God. It has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he's revealed, we'll be like him, for we will see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Isn't that good? If you have this hope that you're going to see him and be with him and be like him, it purifies you. Some of the reason that we have problems in the church is we don't have a, we're not eternally minded like we should be. And, and I'm not saying we should base everything on works, but I'll tell you there are, some, there, there are some things to be had down here. There are some rewards to be. There are some, some, some things to strive for. We're supposed to live like an athlete and press on and press in and, and win the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. It's a, it's a race that you can win. It's, a, it's something you can do for him after all he's done for you. Isn't that great? But, but you can't do it if you're temporal-minded and we're just, we're just focused on the things here. Uh, it, it's helpful to know that you don't have to have everything that earth has to offer. You don't have to do everything there is to do and see everything there is to see because you're going to heaven. We, we traveled in a motorhome for six years with our family and 
we stayed in RV parks and there was a lot of these RVs with these maps of the United States and they would have a map and then every time they go to a state they would they would color in that state and you know it was a race against time <laughs> it's like are they going to make it to all 50 states before they die you know it's like it was just so sad it's like so you've worked your whole life to fill in that coloring thing there and if I were you, I would get to Alaska right away. I mean, don't, you shouldn't be fooling around. You need to get going. You know, if, if I was your age with the goals that you have, you should get started. You know what I mean? It's like, that's it? That's, that's what it boils down to? There, there was a plaque on Frank Sinatra's wall. Frank Sinatra, do you all even know who that is? I've, sometimes you wonder. He was a singer. Uh, uh, he, he was very successful and he had a building out in his backyard that was built specifically for his toy trains isn't that wonderful just for his toy trains and he had a plaque on the wall that says when life is over he that has the most toys wins and that just broke my heart that's what you think is that what you think what a sad way to live life Boy, just knowing about heaven, what do we risk, what do we lose living like heaven is real? It makes me happy. I don't know about you. It gives me a reason to be here and to strive to do better. And people say, yeah, but you, never, you don't know. What if you're wrong? So I'm happy. <laughs> and if you're wrong, you go to hell. So I think I like, I like my, my position. You know what I mean? It's like, it's win-win, and I know I'm not wrong. That's the problem is you can't convince them because it's faith, and they can't see that, but I know I'm right. I know there's a place called heaven, and I know there's God Almighty sitting on a throne, and I know when my spirit leaves this body, I'm going straight to heaven. I don't go to purgatory. I don't float around in haunt houses. I go straight into the pearly gates and, 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 and walk with God. And the world needs to hear it. And the church needs to hear it. See, you know, I've made quite a mess of my life. Good for you. Are you saved? You're going to heaven. I used to preach a sermon, what will it matter in a thousand years? And if you push things out a thousand years, a lot of things won't make that much difference. <laughs> Are you getting anything out of this? Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Now, let's just go on to Revelation and read this. We stopped this morning. And, and uh, I appreciate you coming this morning. But we stopped this morning after the great white throne judgment. And uh, I kind of left it hanging there <laughs> now we're going to start that was revelation 20 but now let's go to revelation 21 where he talks about the city of god revelation 21 in verse 1 says now i saw a new heaven and a new earth now this is a universe a new universe and a new earth for the first universe and the first earth had passed away also there was no more sea 
Then I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem. Now that's heaven, the city of God, where God dwells. Coming down out of heaven or out of the sky from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. That was God's plan. Now, I, wanna, I don't want to oversimplify this, but let me just say this. People ask me all the time, what do you see God doing? What's God doing? You know, I've finally figured out what God's doing. Same thing he started doing in the Garden of Eden. He's building a family. He's, he's collecting people to be part of his family, and his family is growing every day. No matter what the news cycle is, there's more people making the choice to become Christians every single day, and God's family is growing around the world. That was God's plan from the beginning, and, and, and the day is coming. Here, what he's saying is that God's going to make a new universe and a new earth, which is, which is pure, and there's not going to be any sin in it. And then heaven, the city of God, is going to come down to earth, and God and man, kind, are going to live together in this new creation, this new place where there's no devil, no sin, no evil, no death, no destruction. It's going to be paradise, and we're going to go off into eternity together as a family the way we were meant to be. That's really, it's really going to happen. So, so this is kind of the culmination here in verse, in verse 3. I heard a loud voice from him saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. That's what he wanted. Remember when Jesus was raised from the dead and the veil in the temple was rent in two? That was symbolic. That, what that symbolized was God said, I am so tired of staying in this temple with them out there and me in here and we're separated by this veil. I want to get out of this thing and I want to get on people. I want to get in people. I want to move through people. I want to live with people. Because that's what God wanted from the beginning. And here it's going to fully be manifested where God will dwell with them and they'll be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. If that makes you uncomfortable, you need to get saved. Because I can tell you, this is what you were born to do. This is what you want. It's so frustrating to watch the world argue about things that don't matter and look for aliens that don't exist. Try to solve the mysteries of life. I saw Will Smith last night on this earth thing. and I love the earth and I love all the things they discover. But when they make it sound like it was a bunch of random chance acts that turned out good, it just frustrates me to no end. God did that. You're looking at the handiwork of God. And he did it so that we could all be a family. Then verse 4 says, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And this is where this series came from, living with no regrets. That one phrase, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This is where we, what will it matter in a thousand years? God is going to wipe away every tear. In fact, there won't be anything left from this life, any accident, sin, tragedy, Broken heart, there won't be anything left that hurts or wounds from this life. God himself will personally remove every, every uh, effect of sin on your being. It's going to be totally removed. 
I mean, if God wipes away your tears, He's not saying, you know, it was really terrible. It makes me cry too. But let's just tear up. No. If God wipes away your tears, it's like there's no reason left to cry. It's over. And what dawned on me was, this is already paid for. This is already ours in Christ. Why not apply that to our lives right now? So now I refuse to be sad. I refuse to be sorry. I refuse to grieve over the past. I'm, I don't have time for it. They will, don't you have to? Yep. Oh, yeah, everybody does. But I don't. Jesus came. That's why Jesus came. Because of that, because of the past, because of all the heartache and heartbreak and wrong choices and right choices and, and non-choices and people and all of that stuff that happens in life. Jesus came to make it right, and he's already paid the price. You could be happy again. God will wipe away every tear from your eyes. There will be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There will be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he sat on the throne and said, I make all things new. Jesus said, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And I have all this in my book if you're interested in it. I'll give the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. And then he says, verse 8, and here's the point. I mean, once this happens, once this new creation is made and, and it's free from evil and free from the devil, notice what it says in verse 8, but the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the sexually immoral, the sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And, and as I said this morning, what else is God supposed to do with these people? They don't want his plan. They don't want to live with him forever. They don't want his offer. They don't want Jesus. So they've got to be confined somewhere. And, and this is it. There's no more second chances after this because we've got to move on. Did you know that sin would ruin this new creation world like it ruined this one if it was allowed to manifest? So it's not. It, it, would, be like, it would be like you having a guest in your home and saying, you know, I'm going to be out of town, but please stay in my home and, and, and make yourself at home there. Eat the food and just enjoy yourself. But, you know, don't burn it down. Uh, but just enjoy yourself and you leave and they burn your house down on purpose with gasoline. It burns down. You have no insurance. You have to come back. You rebuild the house from scratch with your own money. And they go, hey, could I stay with you again? You're like, no. You wouldn't say, have you thought about what you did? Do you think you could do better this time? No, you're not going to burn this one down. You had your chance. And, and the world has literally ruined, the mankind ruined the world. And God's going to make it new, and he paid for it. But he's not going to let them do it again. So there's coming a point in time where people have to be divided so that God can go on and fulfill his plan. You say, well, then why did it have to be that way? The only other way it could be to give mankind a free will, a free choice, and two options is that God would have destroyed the world in the Garden of Eden and you would have never existed. The only way to allow you to be here today is to give people an opportunity to choose and some of them are going to choose wrong. So to say, how could a loving God send anybody to hell? The answer is, you wouldn't have existed if 
if, if he hadn't allowed things to unfold as they did. It was the only way to have you. Man, I want to go to heaven. How about you? All right, let's read a few more scriptures and we'll, and we'll go on. In, in Revelation 21, verse 10, He carried me away in the Spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. Her light was like a most precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. She had a great high wall with twelve gates and twelve angels at the gates and names written on them which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. Skip down to verse 16. The city is laid out as a square. Its length is as great as its breadth. In breadth, he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs. Its length, it was 15, it's about 1,500 miles, 1,330 miles cube, a cube. It was a cube, square, length, breadth, height, about 1,500 miles. Then he measured the wall. Verse 18, the construction of its wall was of jasper. The city was pure gold, like clear glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones. And he names the stones. Verse 21, the twelve gates were twelve pearls, and each individual gate was one pearl. The street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. Verse 22, I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city had no need of the sun or the moon to shine, for the glory of, the, of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light, and the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light, and the kings of the earth bring their glory and honor into it. Its gates shall not be shut at all by day, and there will be no night there. They shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. There shall by no means enter anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. That's you. No, this is just amazing, isn't it? This isn't a fairy tale. This isn't a Hollywood movie. This is real. This is your future. Verse, uh, chapter 22, verse 1, he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of its street and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore twelve fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the trees were for the healing of the nations. There will be no more curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. They shall see his face. His name shall be on their foreheads. There will be no night there. They, they, will not, they need no lamp nor light of the sun. For the Lord God gives them light. And they shall reign forever and ever. <laughs> oh. I saw a report that the Hallmark Channel has record viewership right now. The Hallmark Channel. My mom watches the Hallmark Channel. I mean, the Hallmark Channel. And they said the reason why is because people on the Hallmark Channel, they do the right thing. They stand up for right. Right overcomes wrong. And they live happily ever after. And I thought, oh, 
We own happily ever after. You want happily ever after? I just read to you happily ever after. And, and what's happening is people are fleeing the news. They're fleeing the culture. They're fleeing the world because it's so, it's so coarse anymore. They say late night humor is just late night hate. There's nothing funny. There's nothing fun. There's nothing good left. And people are looking for relief. I've got relief for you. I want to tell you about a place called heaven. That's real. That's just beyond the veil of this flesh. And it's the home of every child of God. Hallelujah. I said this this morning, and I want to follow up with this. If it wasn't for the fact of uh, hell, then what we do wouldn't be so urgent. But there is a hell, and there is a heaven. That makes our job the most important job on the face of the earth. I said this for many years. The church is the most important organization in town. It's more important than the fire department than City Hall, than the police department, the church, the local church. We're the salt of the earth. We preserve it. We're the light of the world. We give them direction. We help them. We're the conscience of the nation. And I want to end with this because I think it's very important. Do not allow the world to intimidate you and to make you feel as if your message is somehow ancient, outdated, narrow-minded, uneducated, just for the weak. Because, like it or not, the answer to the world's greatest problem is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I don't care how developed and sophisticated they get, it all comes down to an old rugged cross, to the God-man who came to live and die for humanity, who suffered in their place and died on the cross and was buried. And three days later, he arose from the dead and he ascended on high. That is the answer. His name through faith in his name. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no, no amount of sophistication is ever going to change that. No amount of development is ever going to change that. Nothing can deal with the sin problem except the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's an ingenious method of transferring, transmitting salvation to the world. It works through words. And these words come through people. The blessing, the salvation of God is transmitted from person to person, from nation to nation, from generation to generation through words, the words of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And rather than being shut up and intimidated, we need to shout it from the mountaintops. The world needs to know that Jesus died for their sins, that God's not mad at them, and that there's a way to get free from guilt and shame. And condemnation. And there's a way to know that you're right with God and you're on your way to heaven. Amen. The world needs to know the old-fashioned gospel. There's not any other way, better way, to be made right and to get to heaven. And I know you know that. I know I'm preaching to the choir. But I'll tell you, we need to be reminded of it. Because the world, if you listen to them long enough, they can try to make you feel like you're an idiot. And the things you believe just don't fit in anymore. They're just not really, you know, relevant in today's society when they've never been more relevant. 
And they're the only thing that can bust through the lies and the deception of this world and set a sinner free from his sins, a drug addict free from his addiction, a hater, a murderer free from, from his past. The gospel's the only thing that can do it. It's such a powerful method because you, you, you don't have to carry salvation in a suitcase or in a boxcar or in a container. You just show up and use the words. The word, the incorruptible seed of the word of God. And through those words, they become partakers of the divine nature. Through the words. Isn't that amazing? And so there's a war of words and there's a war against words and they're trying to shut off the word. But it's time for us to turn it up because what I've learned as you do more and more outreach, more and more people do get it. Isn't that great? See, they don't all get it. Well, they didn't all get it when Jesus was here, but some of them do. You know, there's a story about this... <laughs> this uh, little boy was walking down the beach and it was covered in starfish. Have you heard that? These starfish had washed up on the beach and they were all dying. And there were thousands of them. And this little boy was throwing them back in. And this old man came along and said, Son, <laughs> there's thousands of these starfish. You are not going to make any difference. And he goes, It'll make a difference to this one. <laughs> sometimes you look at the problem you go what could I do you can make a difference to that one and I can make a difference to this one and when we all get done our joint effort is going to be bigger than anything we could have done on our own and then he's going to get the credit for that and I'm fine with that how about you it's closer than it's ever been folks it's closer than it's ever been. It's almost over. What are we going to do? Let's make the most of the time we have left. And let's get everybody we can to get ready to go to heaven. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. 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 <laughs> I could say it this way. You know, people want to argue, but we, we need to talk to the heart. We, we, we ought not be arguing and get angry like everybody else is mad about everything. We, we speak to the heart. and We speak the truth to the heart. And whether they accept it or not, it's not my, that's not my department. Now, I just have to speak it. So, so when, for instance, when they say there is no God, we say, would you like to know him? When they say there's no heaven, there's no life after this one, you say, would you like to go to heaven? And speak to the heart. Give them the answer. Give them the way. Give them the, the, that which, which they need. Fill in the blank. When they don't even know the question. We can still give them the answer. And, and, and be, the, be the influence that, that we, only we can be. You see, the politicians can't do what we do. And, and other groups can't do what we do. We have been commissioned to preach the gospel. Only we can do that. Don't, don't, don't um, demote yourself and get in the gutter and yell and scream. I'm not mad at anybody. You know why? God's not mad at anybody. 
We want everybody to be saved. We want everybody to know God loves them. There's no reason anybody should go to hell. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me? Praise God. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the answer. Thank you for the answer. There's so many things in the, you know, that the Bible doesn't, doesn't mention, doesn't deal with. But the things that are important are very clear. There's no mistaking it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the truth. Thank you for opportunities. To reach people. Hallelujah. We want to help them and get them healed and delivered, saved. Thank you, Jesus. This wayward generation, they need to know. They need to know. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus. You know, I, it's, I don't think it's any accident how God puts ministries together. And, and I've talked to your pastor and Leah about, about the church here. And, and I've told him about our dreams and visions. And, you know... There's some things that are going to have to happen suddenly. We don't have time to stay on this trajectory. You know what I'm saying? As a church, as a minister, I'm, not, I'm too old to spend another 30 years to get to another level. I don't have that. I, I, don't, I may have 30 years left, but I, I, I can't get, just go to one more level. There's more that has to be done. You need to build a building to house the harvest. That's got to be done. And we can't just, there's, there's some suddenlies that, that are going to happen in, in our future. And I know your pastor believes that, and I, I'm with him, because there's no other way for us to impact this generation. We've got to get their attention again. And the Lord's going to help us. Amen. So I encourage you to be ready. Set your house in order. Get everything set in your life, financially and morally and relationally. Do what you need to do to get things right in your life so that, so that you're ready to be where God wants you to be. Do what God wants you to do. Amen. 
Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. The Spirit shows us things to come, doesn't he? I see you on that property. I see it. I see it. How many of you can see it? It's just real. There are other things that I see, and there are times when I'm in the Spirit, it's like I could touch it. I could just reach out and touch it. But you can't see it in the natural. So I just have to say, God's going to do some things quickly. Quickly. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, we love you. We thank you. We thank you for moving in our generation. And for all the preparation that's gone into this day and this hour. We're going to make the most of our opportunities. Oh, hallelujah. We feel a little bit a little bit vulnerable without our leaders that we've grown up with. Brother Hagen and Lester Summerall and Oral Roberts and these men, that Teal Osborne, that, that, that did such a good job filling their roles. And they're all gone and it's just us. But oh, we got the Holy Ghost and we've got a generation that needs help. We thank you for making up the difference. Doing what needs to be done while there's still time. Hallelujah. Could it be that we were born for such a time as this? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I believe so. Praise God. I'm so glad that God didn't leave us out. Glory to God. We're, we've been included. Thank you, Jesus. I'm trying to stop here. I just want to make sure there's nothing left. I didn't want to come all this way and then stop too soon. How many of you are going to heaven? You're saved and you know it. Say amen. 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 Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this. It's encouraged me. I've been re- I always get blessed when I come here. It's a very healthy, strong church. Deep church. You're, you're just so much like me. I tell you, you're, I feel, I just, I've, I feel like we're in the same place. It's like I've... I've done what I've done for so long. I was telling somebody this morning, you know, I've preached in churches of 50 people and 100 people for so long. You start thinking this is it. This is all there is. But there's more. Things change. And they expand rapidly. And it's about time for the right people to expand. You know what I mean? Your pastor... And Leah, they are trustworthy. They can handle growth. They can handle it. Man, we need my pastor, Mark Brzee, and Sam Carr, the people we run with. These guys are solid. Just hold on. Hang, hang on. Amen. The best is yet to come. Praise the Lord. Who do I turn this to? Roland, would you come? Thank you for joining us today. We trust that you enjoyed the podcast. For service times and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.